praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we're going to uh, pick up. Uh, we have been having a wonderful study uh, in the Lord talking about this concept of, of trouble, dealing with trouble from a big biblical perspective. Let's go ahead and uh, begin reading in our text uh, found in the book of Psalms, chapter 27, or the 27th number of the Psalms, depending on how you say that. And let's start at verse one. The Bible reads as follows, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me in this, will I be confident? One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Amen. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Amen. May the Lord have a blessing and a, to the reading and hearing and especially the doing of his word. As always, uh, we're in, we're focusing today primarily uh, in verse number five, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Amen. And so what we've been talking about for the last uh, two lessons, this is the third one, we've been talking about God's response to our trouble. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that this, if this just is not a fitting subject, I, I don't know what is. But we have been talking about God's response to our trouble. This is the third part in there. Uh, the others are recorded, so you will be able to listen to those uh, when you get an opportunity, but we want to dig in and go further. I'm telling you, God's got something that he wants to say to us today. He's been saying it to me, and I'm telling you, uh, I, I just, I, I can't help but uh, but but give you what God has has given us. I told you, he's got bread for us today. The Lord has bread. He's always had bread. Every time we talk, God has bread for us, so we thank the Lord. Now, in our last lesson, let, let's pick this up. We started to learn about trouble, okay? Or I, really, I should say, we continue to learn about trouble because that was the second lesson. Amen. And we, we learned that in our text, we learned what trouble means. And what we discovered was, was that it actually meant calamity. If you were to break that down, okay, it meant calamity. And for those of you who are actually watching this, um, in addition to listening to this on the screen, we have a definition uh, for calamity. Amen. And that definition uh, for calamity uh, brothers and sisters, um, says that it's a it, calamity, it's an event, okay? An event resulting in great loss and misfortune, okay? One of the things that we also said is that it can also be a sudden event, okay? Or a sudden situation or a sudden uh, instance of great loss, okay? It's a, it's it, but, but the main thing that you want to take away from that is, is that it's an event that results in either great loss and or misfortune, okay? It does not mean, all right, specifically, 
It does not mean specifically hardship. And what we said when we're talking about hardship, that it doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean hardship. What we mean by that is, is that, that that's on the day-to-day -day level. It's not necessarily talking about the, on, on, on the day-to-day -day, uh, level. So this would be the, the, the thing, you know, the, the, the issues that come up just in through the course of, of life. I, I've run into this. I'm, I'm, you know, this didn't go, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm lean on money or I'm, I, I'm, I gotta get this and or I gotta, I gotta go do that or, or I'm having a little, it's not really reserved for or really talking about the day-to-day the -day, everyday struggles, okay? It's not really talking about that, but this is talking about the, the bigger things, okay? Those areas of, of, of great loss, okay? This could be the loss of a loved one or something on that level or whatnot, but it could be a, but it could also be on the level of the loss of a job, something major, okay? Uh, also misfortune, and when we say misfortune, what we really are meaning when we talk about that is when those things that, that we really felt like you needed to work out when they don't, when they don't work out. And I wanna tell somebody today, life is like that. Life's gonna bring you some trouble sometimes and things that you're looking for, things that you want to happen and all of these different things. There will be times where trouble, where things simply do not work out. They don't, they just don't go the way that you want them to go, amen. We also learned that about the time of trouble because remember our scripture says, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, but that in the time of trouble. And what we learned is that what David was actually talking about when we, when we, uh, when we see this phrase in the time of trouble, David was really, he, he was referring in particular to those, those, those times and instances and, uh, that, and, and points um, where, where certain things come into our lives that, that we're not really happy about, we're not looking forward to and, and, and all of those things, but yet and still, even though I'm not looking forward to it, even though it's not what I want, I, I didn't sign up for this. You know, when 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 that when the sign up sheet she got passed around for to to have this happen to you, I didn't sign that. <laughs> you didn't sign that either. But yet it's still it came your way anyway. It's dealing with when those things that come your way, though you don't want them, they are actually appointed by God, and that's a little difficult for some of us to to deal with. But that's the truth. And you need to understand that because because some of you, when trouble comes up and everything, you want to you the, what you want to do is you want to pray it away. You ain't gonna pray every all, all trouble away. That's not gonna happen, especially when it's appointed. It's not gonna happen. You don't you don't you know what I'm saying you don't pray away trouble. You pray your way through trouble. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's a difference. I'm gonna say that again. You don't pray appointed trouble away. No, you don't. But what you do when you're dealing with appointed trouble, you pray your way through. And for some of you listening, you probably can, you probably took the next step. And yes, you can praise your way to as well. Prayer and praise go hand in hand. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. There are some things we talked about that God, when we deal with this, this concept of appointed trouble, okay, things that God has put in our lives, there are some things that God allows or permits, but 
there are also some things that God appoints, okay? So we talked about that last week. We, we got into that and we discovered a couple things. We learned that that which he allows or permits, okay, or is or tends to be conditional, amen. When God allows something or permits something to occur in your life, amen, certain things to, 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 uh, certain things to occur in your life, those things tend to be conditional, okay? There's, there's a bit of, there's, you, you have some influence in that. And we'll talk a little bit about that um, briefly just to bring us up to speed. But sometimes, even though it is conditional, we also discovered last week that there can be an, a bit of an unconditional component. So there can be an aspect of even that which you can influence, that just simply means that you can influence it to a point. You can't influence it all the way. You can't dictate it or anything, but you can influence it to a point. So there is sometimes even to the, con the conditional aspect to these things that God permits or allows in our life, um, sometimes there is an unconditional um, component um, to it. Now, we also discovered that that which God appoints, all right, so we're moving a bit from the conditional and we're dealing with the unconditional. That stuff that God appoints, that is unconditional okay when god appoints something it's unconditional what's that mean that means you're not going to overwrite that what's that mean that means that you're not going to overrule that what does that mean it means you're not getting ready to change that amen this is important for some of us because some of us your prayers are out of alignment i'm telling you that right now god is speaking and i'm going to give you just what he is giving me your prayers are out of alignment and they are out of alignment because you don't understand the season that you are in. You don't understand the timing of God. And it is because you do not understand the timing of God, you don't understand in, in the depth of what you're actually dealing with. And so you are treating some of these things that God has actually appointed as if it is a thing that it, God is allowing or permitting. Ah, uh, no, no, God is not allowing or permitting some things. There are some things God has appointed your way and what God is doing God means for you to absolutely go through this see sometimes the conditional things are things that we bring on ourselves but when it's when it's unconditional that's God bringing it and you're not gonna pray that away and the sooner you understand that brothers and sisters family of God you gonna you and I will stop praying these wasteful prayers where we are asking God to liberate us from what God has plainly declared or decided that he's getting ready to show himself strong in your life. Why? Because he's going to deliver you. He's going to bring you through with a mighty hand. So we got to get these things. We got to make sure we understand these things, that there are some differences. Amen. Amen. We, we, we also, some of y'all see the typo, typo there. We also talked about Ecclesiastes. Uh, chapter three, verses one through 11. Amen. And we talked about, we talked about that because once we start getting into the concept of conditional and unconditional or that which God allows or permits versus that which God appoints, it, it, we, we, there really is no way to really get into that, deal with that uh, correctly, unless you actually bring in Ecclesiastes chapter three and you start dealing with verses one through 11. Amen. Because it speaks directly to that and it gives one of the uh, best or in the clearest pictures of what God is talking about. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. Amen. Um, to many of us, 
um, when we talk about that because it's the scripture that tells us that there's a time and a season for everything. Amen. The thing that we don't often realize is, is that that also includes trouble. <laughs> Amen. That also includes trouble. We don't want that, but brothers and sisters, it's in there. Verse number one, we locked in on uh, in particular, uh, and we did that because we said, if you get an understanding of verse number one, then it will set the tone and make it easier for you to understand all of the preceding verses because there's the, la the language that is used in Ecclesiastes chapter three doesn't deviate a whole lot. So once you understand, I understand the first instance of what God is talking about here, then I can pretty much plug and play down the line and I can get a clearer picture. I might need to break down some words so that I can understand some of the things that I don't necessarily recognize um, in the translation, but once I do that, I, I, it, it will. It, it, I'll also be able to to use that information that I learned by doing a deep dive in just verse number one, which says, "To everything there is what a season, and to every purpose under the heaven." Amen. And what we did was was that we broke down some of those words. We talked about season, and we learned that season um, refers to a designated or an assigned period of time. So, and, 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 and to make it plain, we said, think of an, a divine a, a appointment, okay? So it's a particular or a proper time in the future that is specified as um, the time or really the period something will happen. And when you start talking about season, it's really not the individual time as much as it is a collection of times. That's why I use the word period there. It's a designated or assigned period of time. Amen. So it's a collection of time that that is conducive for something to happen. Amen. So you can think of that like, for instance, in the summertime. OK, I don't have to give you the exact dates and the exact days of that constitute summer. Amen. To tell you, to give you an understanding that there are some fruits that grow in the summertime. There are summer fruit. Amen. And so this Fruit, it thrives in that what? Period. Glory to God. Glory to God. When we move forward, we also talked about time. We broke that down. We said time in this essence, whereas season deals with the period, time in that scripture, because remember, for every, for to everything, there is a season and a what? Time. Okay. Time in the text means the exact or proper moment a thing is to occur. Amen. So it is the suitable moment. That's the sense of what it actually means, a suitable moment. So season means the period, right? So the context, the, 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 the confines, season is like saying summer. Amen. All right. But time is like saying, saying June this or, or, or July this or August, whatever it is. It's a specific time. The season is the hour. Amen. But time is to the minute and second level. Amen. So it zeroes it in. So it, when the Bible says to every to everything, there is a season. What he's saying is that there is a period. OK, where, where God is allowing or has designated that this is a period where I'm willing, where I'm going to allow something to happen, something that's going to, that, that will transpire. There is a period in which it can transpire. I want you to understand something. It's not all the time. It is a, it is a specified period. And trouble must, brothers and sisters, follow this pattern. 
it can't, it don't operate out, out outside of that. It does not operate outside of that. Trouble will occur at times and, and, and manifest according to the season that God has designated. When God appoints it, now remember, when we, we're not talking about the trouble that you bring on yourself. We're not talking about the ridiculous stuff yet. We're not getting into all that. We're talking about the appointed stuff, not the stuff that you and I bring on ourselves because of disobedience. That's different. We're talking about the stuff that God brings on us. Why? Because he's building up your faith. And the trying of your faith is more precious than gold. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about what God is doing, not what you and I have done to ourselves. No, no. We're talking about what God is, is doing. Amen. There is a season or a there is a there is a, a a period that God has us has set aside where some things where you where, where where it is where you and I are to deal with some things. But within that period, there is also an exact moment in which you and I are going to deal with thing, that thing. And what does this mean? It means that God's got it all planned out all the way down to the exact moment. Amen. And that's a good thing to know. We also know, we also looked at that word purpose, because what does the scripture say? To everything, amen, there is a season, a period, a time, which is an exact moment, to every purpose, that's a matter, or every concern, okay? Um, and that really gets into, and that includes uh, uh, also trouble, amen? It includes all of that, Okay. But when we, but as we pick up now, and we move a little bit forward, because we learned that about Ecclesiastes, and that was good, because we needed to, we needed to know that God's got it planned out, brothers and sisters. There are some things that God has appointed for you to deal with, and you got to stop running. I got to stop running scared. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. God, God hasn't given us, God, God, listen, God has not given you permission to run. I know that's heavy, but we need to be reminded of that. I had to be reminded of that. God has not given us permission to run. No, no. We are told to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See, you, 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 you're supposed to get your popcorn and watch God work. That's what's supposed to happen. Some things come up and no, you don't like it. No, I don't want it. But God says, get your popcorn. I'm getting ready to show you something. What are you going to show me? His glory. <laughs> glory to God. Glory to God. But nevertheless, that does bring us to a topic that is sometimes difficult for us to, to, to deal with. And that's why does God use calamity? We know we, we already talked about, we know he appoints it at times. But why, God? Why, why do you use this at times? And that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a good that's a good question to ask at times. That's a wonderful question for us to to ask at to ask at times. Okay. We we because there are times where we we go through things and we 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 are left with a question of why. And, 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 and you need to understand something about that. Let me address that question for just a minute before I, before I dig into it. There is nothing wrong with wanting to understand why we deal with things 
at times. Sometimes we get, you know, we have a misconception that you can't ask God why. But the asking of why is not always a sign of um, disbelief or something like that. Sometimes, un unfortunately, in Christendom, we, we, we can tend to paint that as asking God why is, is a sign of discontentment or doubt and all this other kind of stuff or faithlessness. That's not always the case. And so don't listen to nobody who tell you that. They're ridiculous and they don't know what they're talking about at all. God, no, there are, there are times where that can arise out of that. But as God told Samuel, he don't look, God does not look on the outward as men do, but God searches the heart. God knows the location or the origin of that question in you. And God knows that sometimes things can occur that will, guess what? They're going to leave you scratching your head. And God knows that you are going to want to, to understand some things. And there are times where God will absolutely indulge you, meaning that if you sit in, in that in that you that you dig into that word, get in that prayer closet, God will take some time at times and explain some things to you. And Isaiah, if I'm not mistaken, the Lord said, Come, let us what? Reason together. He said, Let's talk about it. Now you understand something. <laughs> That don't mean that your way is going to be right. And that don't mean God getting ready to adjust anything. But God is willing to entertain you. Listen, you have a God who says that you are allowed to cast your cares upon him. In fact, he invites you to do it. Why? Because he cares for you, wants to hear from you. You serve a God that you can talk to. Yes, you must treat God at all times with respect and reverence. He's owed that. You're not just talking to anybody. So don't go around treating God, you know what I'm saying? Like like you, like he's somebody that you just, you know, saying what's up to on the street. No, no, uh-uh. You're talking to the God of, the, of heaven and earth. So there is, there is a degree of respect and reverence that you and I are to show God. But last time I checked, the Lord himself told us and he told the disciples, I have called you friend. And you know what friends do? They talk. They talk. And it's all right to ask God those things, the question why at times. You just don't want to ask him out of out of out of out from a place of a of a bad heart. God, I'm mad at you. God, I'm resenting this. God, I'm this. No, if you're seeking, if you're seeking. If you're truly seeking to understand, God will talk to you. You might have to wait, but God will talk to you. So there's nothing wrong with that. But why does God use calamity, okay, or trouble at times? We know he appoints it, amen. We know that he does that, okay? Brothers and sisters, God uses affliction, hardship, difficulty, or need in things like this. God uses affliction to perfect us. It is a tool that God uses. Look at Isaiah 48. Let's look at verse number 10 and let's go to verse number 12. Behold, I have what? Refined thee. Amen. Refined thee. What does that mean? It means he's making it better. It means he's perfecting it. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. 
He didn't do it with the thing that was choice. He didn't do it with the thing that that looked good. He didn't do it with the thing that probably appeared good. He didn't do it with the things that tickled your fancy. He didn't do it with the things that gave you all the warm and fuzzies. No, he didn't do it with that. He said, not with silver, not with silver. He said, I refined you, but I didn't do it with silver. I didn't do it with all the pleasantries. I didn't do it with, with all of the, <laughs> all the conveniences. God said, I didn't do all that. Not at all. Mm -mm. No, no, no. He said, behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee, what? In the furnace of affliction. Glory to God. I know that's not what we want to hear, but that's what the word says. That's how he does it. That's what he does. For my own sake have I, even my own sake, will I do it? God said, I, I, I did it. <laughs> God says, I did it within the furnace of affliction. And first of four, and first and foremost, I did it for my own sake. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let me read the rest of it and I'll explain it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not, and I will not give my glory unto another. Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called, I am he. I am the first. I also am what? The last. Amen. So he says, I refined you. I made you better. But I did it for my own sake. And you got to understand there is a reason why God does that. And the reason why God does that is because God wants fellowship with you. That's what, he, that's what he's talking about when he says, I did it for my own sake. You begin to see this when he when he brings in in verse number 11 for how should my name be polluted? Listen, if God don't clean you up. If God just hook you up. And not clean you up. Then you're going to mess up his name and God is not trying to have that. I know that ain't what you want, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. You want God to hook you up. But you want him to do it without him cleaning you up. Uh-uh. God said, I'm going to hook you up by cleaning you up. Why? So that you can be in his presence. Brothers and sisters, God does not bless mess. So he can't leave you in no dirty state, in a messed up state. So that you can be a, an, an, an inaccurate representation of his glory, of his will and his way. Have you not enough examples of people out there who claim to be child, children of God and claim to be holy and all this kind of stuff, but their lifestyle is anything but holy? What is it that you're looking at? You are looking at the unclean. One scripture tells, can, can you, can, can, a, can a clean thing be brought out of unclean? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. God got to clean you up. Unclean don't produce clean. It don't work that way. Unclean must be cleaned up. It has to be. And God does it. So why? So you can come into his presence. Why? So that he can entertain your prayers. Why? So that he can answer your prayers. Why? So that he can have 
fellowship with you. Why? Because God created you to worship. Why? Because the worship's got to be done in spirit and in truth. Why? Because worship that is unlike God is rejected by God. So he got to clean you up. Amen. Amen. So why is that? Why, why does God do it? Well, because through affliction, God does something. He perfects us. Affliction also serves a purpose. And although it seems bad, the scripture actually teaches us that affliction, the hardship, all these different things, difficulties. In our case, we're talking about trouble. And not just, again, not trouble that you bring on yourself, but a point of trouble, what God does, okay? Scripture teaches us that it's actually a good thing. Turn to Psalms 119. I want you to look at verse, start at verse 65. We're going to go through, uh, amen, verse uh, 70. Uh, We're going to go through verse 72. Amen. Or verse uh, 70 or verse uh, 71. Amen. Thou hast dealt with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Listen at the language here. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Look at verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. That is one of the hardest scriptures for people to deal with in the Bible. Because it talks about, it tells you that hardship has a purpose. See, many people want to, um, I don't know why, I don't know what, why this is, but sometimes we tend to want to look at hardship that people go through as a sign that somebody has sinned and somebody has done this and so on and so forth. And even Jesus had to deal with this of the people in, the, in, in, in his day. Somebody being, you know, dealing with a, with an ailment and all this other kind of stuff. And, and the first thing that happened, he get a question, you know, Lord, who sinned? Who messed up? This man's obviously he's 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 laying, he's got he's got this physical disability he's got this problem and obviously surely it must be because somebody sinned maybe mama and daddy messed up and all of these other sorts of things and here comes Jesus having to set it straight and oh, no, ain't because of that nobody messed up nobody sinned but this thing here what was it for for the glory of God for the glory of God. It's hard to see at times that the hospital bed sometimes serves a purpose. That sometimes you're there because God wants you there. Sometimes you're there because God is perfecting you. It's hard to to believe sometimes that 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 I'm that 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 foreclosure and all of these other sorts of things that I don't like. 
the loss of a loved one or the loss of a job or something else. Sometimes I feel and I want to feel and I want to cry out and I want to scream. I want to yell and I want to shout because I'm frustrated and I'm mad about all of these things because I can't see what's happening and I can't figure out what I have done wrong. But Job was tested not because he did something wrong, but because God was getting ready to make a point. God getting ready to get some glory. And if he would do that with Job, and he didn't leave Job, how come he can't do that with you? Yeah, that joke's on us. He is going to do that with us. So we got to stop entertaining those ridiculous thoughts and ideas that think and entertain lies that everything that we go through and hardship that we deal with is because we're sinning and you're doing something wrong. Uh-uh, no, I'm trying to tell you that some stuff that you're going through is because God has determined to get the best out of you. You hear what that what the songwriter said? He said, it was good for me that I have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. See, some of us, if God don't, didn't allow us to go through some difficult times and some difficult situations, we'd be running all over the place. But the place that we wouldn't be running to is God. Uh-uh. So God got to do something. God got to put some bumper rails. God got to make sure that we understand some things. And so God will use even the things that are, that are unpleasant at times in order to bring us where we need to be. Finally, we must be willing, brothers and sisters. This is that, listen, we're giving, we, we, this is real. But you got to be willing to receive both the good and the bad. Many of us struggle because our idea of Christianity only includes the good and not the bad. And that is about as ridiculous as I don't know what. The call of a child of God family is to suffer at times. You will do that. You will do that. You and I live in a fallen world, in a fall, and this fallen world, guess what? Sin is rampant. And there are things that are just simply broken. And you're going to be impacted by that. I'm going to be impacted by those things at times. But you can't just have a, 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 an attitude or a, a concept of, of, of worship and praise that is simply predicated on the good only. I'm a blessed God when it's good. Hold on, wait a minute. The songwriter said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. How dare I hold out on God's praise? Because things are a little topsy-turvy. How do I hold out on God's praise? Because I'm dealing with, as the Bible call it, light afflictions. Amen, amen. How do I? Hold out on God's praise. Because the thing, because the article and in, in which I have to praise God for is a negative thing and not a positive. You mean I gotta say amen to heartache and pain? Yes, you do. You got to learn to do it. You mean I gotta say amen when I'm in the hospital? Yes, you do. You got to learn to do it. 
You gotta mean you mean to say, I gotta say amen. I gotta say it's well. When when the my whole world seems to be falling down and burning down around me, you mean that even then, preacher, I gotta say it is well? Yes, you do. You gotta learn to do it. Paul said, in all things I have learned what? To be content. You gotta learn to bless God. You gotta you got listen. It's when things are, it's when the dice, when the when the chips seem to be against you. And everything stacked up against you. That's when you. That's when we need to praise him the most. Why? Because he inhabits the praise of his people, which means that when you praise, he comes close. And if there's any time that you need God to come close, is when you're going through something. So, family of God, learn to praise God, even when you don't want to, even when you don't want to. You got to learn to bless God. You got to learn to bless God. What about the loved one? God, what, but, but, but brother, what, what about the loved one? What about the this and, and all this other kind of stuff? Do you, have you not heard? Have you not read Deuteronomy 32 and 39? Also one of the hardest scriptures in the Bible for people to deal with. Take a look at that. Deuteronomy 32 and 39. Guarantee you it's going to blow your mind. See now that I, even I, am he. Look at God talking. And there is no God with me. And here we go. I kill. And I make alive. I wound. And I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand? Do you hear what God said? God said, I kill and I make a lie. I wound and I heal. That means I hurt, I inflict, I do this. And when he said, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand, do you realize what God was saying? He was saying, I do this and can't nobody do nothing about it. Glory to God, I'm trying to tell you, this is, you gotta learn what the Bible really says. And stop entertaining these ideas, this Candyland gospel, and walk with God that the world likes to present. Do you not know that everybody out here professing to be Christian ain't making it? They're not all going to make it. But you better make sure you make it. And if you want to make it, you better follow that word and learn to bless God at all times. You got to learn to say amen. You got to learn to say it as well. I mean, in the, man, in the middle of the fight, you got to say it as well. You got to learn to do it. You got to learn, you got to learn to lean on the everlasting arm and not on the arm of flesh. Amen. 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 Nevertheless, take a look at our scripture again. Psalms 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Amen. He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. 
Now let's deal with this. Let's 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 deal with this. Notice the first word here that the first instance of the word hide here. Okay. Now we're gonna build something here. We're gonna build something here, and I'm telling you, God, uh, listen, just 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 hold on, just hold on, just wait for it. Look at the first instance of this word hide that we see in the scripture. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me. Okay. The word hide means to prevent something. Okay. Um, to prevent, it means to prevent something, including one's self from being seen or discovered. Because see, David in verse five is given a justification now. This is what's happening for his single desire. Remember his desire? One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after. What? That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now David's getting in. He's 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 telling you what why he he's already given us the why, but now he's telling you why he's justified in it. That's what he's that that's really what he's doing. He's revealing what it's all based on, what that single desire is based on. And he's and 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 what he's showing us is that it's actually birthed out of uh his uh, a humble recognition of what God can and will do. And I love it because when we get here, David is about to talk about what his God can do. And I'm telling you, just just, just wait on it. Just wait on it. Because now we, we, we're getting ready. We talked about enough about trouble, but now we're going to talk about what God can actually do about it. So the word hide here means to prevent something. Uh, and, 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 and what's heavy about it is that it even, it even goes as far as including one's self from being seen or discovered. The word hide, that's the sense of what it means. It means to, it, the word, it means to cover over something, okay? It means to hoard or reserve. Just listen to all these words and we're gonna put it all together. It means to deny. And, 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 and that, that, that's what it, and, and, and it means to favorably protect. It means to protect something. So I want you to think about all that kind. So it means to prevent something, including oneself from being seen or discovered. It means to, it means to cover something over. Amen. It means to hoard or to reserve something. It means to deny and it means to protect something favorably. Okay. I love what, what, what God is doing. And, 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 and if we take all of these words, brothers and sisters, the, the idea that's being communicated here in Psalms 5, all right? The idea here is, is that God in the time of calamity, remember that, that that's the time when things fall apart. That's the time when, when sometimes perhaps even suddenly, uh, um, it's the time when we experience great loss. It's the time where the world seems to be burning down around us. It's that time where, 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 where I want something different, but God has appointed something other than what I want. It's when God is operating, but it's not according to my specification. God is moving on his own accord. God is working things after the counsel of his own will. It's when God is doing what God does. And you need to understand that there's some times where God's going to do what he do. And you got to understand that when God is doing something, when God is moving I told you, you just got to sit back and you got to trust the process and know that you are in the hands of a God. But nevertheless, the idea here 
is is that 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 God in the time of that God that that God in the time of of calamity when things are are just unraveling and falling apart God will protect us this is what David was talking about when he says he shall hide me in his pavilion what David was saying was is that God during these times will protect us from ourselves from the openings that we expose to the enemy when we make bad decisions in response to calamity see see when you're hurting and calamity happens and and, and, it, and especially when it's sudden and and, and and it's all of a sudden and you did not know that it was coming around the corner corner but nevertheless here you are and this is what you what you what what you have sometimes it'll knock you for a loop and 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 and, and when and when it knocks you for a loop you begin to make rash rash decisions and actions out of this place of calamity or sudden loss or misfortune, these things that didn't work out. And when these things happen, these types of decisions or actions, brothers and sisters, they're rarely helpful. Why? Because they cause us during that time to, 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 to begin to, if we're not careful, we'll act uncharacteristically. When, when calamity and sudden things happen that I wasn't expecting, it becomes the, 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 the potential for me to begin to act ungodly or to lean on the arm of flesh instead of the everlasting arm. It increases exponentially. And so what David was saying about God hiding him in the but he says that in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. What he was saying was, was that God will protect us from ourselves, from the openings that we expose. See, when you act ungodly, when you're supposed to be godly at that time, do you not know that you expose yourself? You, 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 you demonstrate and exhibit openings to the enemy that if the enemy could capitalize, it would, it would bring you down. If the enemy could take advantage of it, the enemy, it would be a one hitter quitter. If the enemy could operate on you the way he want to in that moment, because you have now exposed yourself, you have left yourself wide open for counterattack. In other words, and what David was saying is that God will protect us from ourselves. What David was saying is, is that not only will God protect us from ourselves when we leave these openings or make these openings, where we expose these openings to the enemy, but not only that, God does this by hiding us. And when he hides us, what he actually does, glory to God, watch this, is he hoards us which means he collects and stores us. He says he, he, he said when, when God hides us, God hides us by way of hoarding us or collecting us and storing us unto himself. Do you hear Jesus saying in Luke chapter 13, 30, for all Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doeth gather her brood under her wings and ye would not. God wants to gather you. And what David was saying is he's talking about that aspect of God. And he's telling you that in the time of trouble, in the time of calamity, in the time of misfortune, God will, God will protect you even from yourself. And he'll do it by hoarding you and collecting you and storing you 
unto himself. And when God collects and stores us, what's happening, brothers and sisters, is that in essence, he covers us over with his pavilion. So, so much so that the effect, brothers and sisters, of being covered in this manner, when God does this, is, is that God literally obscures you and the gate that you left open. He obscures it from the view of the enemy so as to deny the enemy an advantage over you. In other words, the enemy is prevented from capitalizing on your error when you live and when you're operating in this life and calamity and things hit you all of a sudden. Sometimes we don't act godly. Sometimes we don't act like we should. Sometimes we fall into leaning on the arm of flesh and we begin to make mistakes. But David was said, he shall hide me in his pavilion. He shall protect me from myself when I get out of line, when I get out of pocket and I open up a door that the enemy would love to storm right through. He says, God will obscure me and the gate that I left open from the view of the enemy so that he can't capitalize on it. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. I, and you can leave yourself wide open and sometimes bad decisions will leave you like that. You'll leave the door open, you'll leave the window open and you need to understand it's a prime opportunity for the enemy to come in but can I tell you that when you are on the Lord's side and when you are God, listen when you are listen when God is your God I'm, I'm not I'm not talking about somebody else's I'm talking about when he's your God when God is your God he knows how to protect you even if it means protecting you from your own mistakes protecting you from yourself God said I because I got you because I'm holding you because you're in my arms God says I you you made a mistake you've dropped the ball and the enemy would love more nothing more than to destroy you and to unsettle you and to dethrone you but I got you covered I'm concealing you so that the enemy cannot see you glory to God I, 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 I hope this is talking to somebody and if it ain't it's talking to me God knows how to conceal you God says even not just you but the gate that you left open God says I'll hide that too so that the enemy can't storm the gate God says I will conceal you at the same time God when he God does this and this is what I love about it this is what's so heavy about what David was talking about when he says he shall hide you in his pavilion, because at the same time, while God will conceal you and the gate that you left open, it also means that God will put you in a place where you can recover your senses in a manner where the enemy can't antagonize you. Glory to God. Glory to God. God says, I will run interference so that you can get your head screwed on straight. God says, I will stop the gate because so that you can get your mind right. God says, I will run interference for you. Why? So that you can get your second wind, so that you can breathe again, so that you can stand up again. I'm telling you, the fight is not over and the devil is kicking it up into high gear. And all this with this role, the devil wants you to be a casualty, but I'm telling you, there is a God that sits high, that looks low, that has spoken favor over you, and is determined to hide you in his pavilion, in that place where he covers you. God knows that at times, 
we respond in a manner that is less than what we should and in a way that is less than appropriate and we got to get that right but God also knows that in that moment that's when the enemy wants to strike the, the, the hardest and the quickest so God does something for you he'll hide you in his pavilion now I love this because the word pavilion the sense of that word simply means a dwelling place amen and what the Bible is talking about with a pavilion a pavilion in this sense was actually a booth which really was a small temporary hut that was constructed out of uh, sticks and, 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 and branches, okay? And it was developed and it was used when there was no permanent building for you to dwell in. The booth, to give you an idea of what that is, when you look at Genesis 33 and 37 at Sukkoth, the Bible says that Jacob built a house or booths for the cattle and, 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 and that's the type of, of dwelling or structure that is being referred to. Another instance of this is, is when you read in the book of Jonah and you look at chapter four, you look at uh, verse number five, and this is when after Jonah has given the message of God and Jonah steps out and then he sits back to see what's going to become. The Bible teaches us that there outside the city while Jonah was waiting to see what was going to happen to Nineveh, that Jonah created a booth. It's a temporary structure, brothers and sisters, and it's used to protect you. It's to provide shade during the day, and, and, and it protects you from the wind and the rains and the dew at night. That's what the pavilion was. And what God and what David was saying is that he will cover us. Amen. He shall hide me in his pavilion. That booth and that pavilion, you'd understand when David, what David was talking about this, the imagery that David would have had in mind when he's talking about this booth would have hearkened back to the flight of the children of Israel when they were fleeing, when they were leaving uh, Egypt and they were in the wilderness. The Bible teaches us that they dwelled in booths so much so that there is even a festival. This is what the festival of uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is about. Also taught, also referred to as the Feast of Booths and the Feast of Shelters or in-gathering. It's when the, it commemorates when the children of Israel, when they fled Egypt and they wandered in the, in the desert and they had temporary structures or locations. These are things that were meant to travel with them. In other words, they brought out the booth. The booth was, was, was set up every time they needed it, every time they moved it while they were in transition, moving from place to place, the booth would be set up whenever they needed. And so when David was talking about in the scripture, that in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. It was meant that every time you and I run into a situation, that the booth would be brought out. The shelter would be brought out. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. The shelter would be brought out. The pavilion would be brought out. Amen. Amen. Look at what he says. In the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me? That tabernacle really translates into the word tent. It means tent. And it, and I, and, 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 and 
has the same concept of the booth. But the difference is, is that it was a mobile tent or a mobile house of God. Amen. I'm talking about the tabernacle. He said, not only will he hide me in his in the in his temple. Amen. 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 Not only will he hide me in his pavilion, rather, he said, but in the secret of his temple. The secret, brothers and sisters, means to is the, is the condition, it means to conceal or hide something. And when the Bible says the secret of the tabernacle, what he's talking about in essence is, is he's referring to an actual section within the tabernacle because the word secret here also means to separate. So when he says that he'll hide me in the secret of his tabernacle, it says not only the, the tabernacle in its whole is the pavilion, amen, but but it's not just the tabernacle as a whole that God brings around me to obscure the view of the enemy. But within the tabernacle or within the booth or within the pavilion, there is a place. And that place is the holiest of holies. And it is in that place where God will place you. God don't just place you within the pavilion, but God puts you in the most sacred part of the pavilion. God puts you in the place where can't nobody get to you. Glory to God. And I love it because the second word hide in this scripture is different than the first one because it actually means to hold back. So when he says, I'll put you in the secret of the tabernacle. He says, I'll put you in the holiest of holies. And that's the place where I hold back. Glory to God. Glory to God. That's where God says, I'm going to hold back the forces of the enemy. This is the place where you absolutely cannot get to. Glory to God. 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 See, the devil can come in like a flood and and it can and it can get dark sometimes and I'll I, I, I know just give me a few more minutes while I preach this thing it'll get dark sometimes and you'll feel like you don't know which way you are going but I want to tell you something I want to remind you of what the Lord said in Exodus chapter 10 20 and 23 he said but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go and the Lord said unto Moses stretch out thine hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt even darkness which may be felt can I tell you that sometimes it'll get so dark that you can feel the darkness around you verse 22 says and Moses stretched out forth his hand toward heaven and, for, and toward toward heaven and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days there saw they saw not one another, neither rose anyone from his place for three days. But the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. Psalm 119 and 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm trying to tell, I'm trying to tell you something about the darkness because the Bible teaches that the darkness and the day are a light to God. The second Kings in chapter first Kings chapter 8, verse 12. Solomon wants to build 
the temple for God a, 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 a permanent location. But God answered Solomon and said, the Lord said he would dwell in the thick darkness. Now, let me tie it together for you. Moses, during the Exodus, was told to stretch out his hand so that the darkness would fall. But the Bible says that the children of Israel had light. The darkness fell on everybody else. But there was light for the children of Israel. And it was there that the darkness was there for three days. Solomon said that God said, I would dwell in the thick darkness. And I want to tell somebody who's dealing with the darkness that the enemy tries to run in on you. God said, I'm in the darkness. That's where I dwell. You might feel like nobody is there, but I'm here to tell you something different that in the darkness, in the thick darkness is the presence of the almighty God because he is a light and he is a lamp. And I want you to understand that God is in there with you. Don't give up. Don't give in. God said, I dwell in the thick darkness. Trouble makes it dark sometimes. Trouble makes it difficult sometimes. But God said, I dwell in the thick darkness. Right when you thought you was by yourself, God said, I'm right there. Right when you said there can't nobody see me, God said, I'm right there. Right when you said it surely won't work, God said, I'm right there. Right when you said I've gone too far, God said, I'm right there. God said in your darkest, God said in your bleakest, God says when your most, in, in, your, in, in, your, in your most dilapidated state, God said, I'm right there. I dwell in the thick darkness and I'm bringing that light. I'm bringing that light. It was dark for everybody else. But he said, the children of Israel had light. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We're going to go ahead and we are going to stop the recording here. Wow.